remember why we leave, we don't always remember why we start. Yeah. And usually what gets you into a relationship are the things that are to grow you and be a mirror for your soul. Yeah. And so like if someone is challenging you or making you grow and it doesn't end up working out, a lot of times we just like pack it up and put it away as like, mm. and take the L yeah. instead of, man, what were those things that I learned that I do want? Not just what I don't want, because mm. when you're talking about what you don't want, you end up getting it again. I got a carbon copy at one point. I was like, I swear I was saying I didn't want these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, universe. What? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of 8020. I'm Georgia Sinclair. This is Shanina Shaikh. And today we are joined by Elisa Jacobs, who is a marketing genius and entrepreneur. And I have to say, Elisa, if you don't do something in ASMR, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's lost talent because she has one of the best voices I've ever heard. Anytime I've heard you speak... I am just both captured by your words and everything you're saying and also really relaxed in an ASMR way because you have one of the most beautiful voices. It's so soothing. Thank you. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. I think the audience is going to gonna find what I have found yes. listening to you, listening to this episode. So what do you do? Tell us about your business, Loop. That's a brand new company, is it, or is it something that you've been doing for a while? No, it's been in existence for a long time. It's actually technically been around since 2012. Um, but in 2019, we really started building Loop out as a full-fledged agency. So I have an incredible business partner, Internet Williams, a badass all-women's diverse team that yes. is national. Love um, that. Yeah. yeah, we work with global clients. We're based in LA, but we have team in New York, in Dallas, in Miami, all over. So it's been a really great journey, and it's been really exciting to be able to start building more jobs and opportunities for women like us as opposed to just doing the project work. So I love it. Wow. So so it's an all-female company. Mm -hmm. How many different employees do you have? Uh, it's about 10 at any given time. It scales to fit for the project. So mm. five kind of always on, and then for any given project, it could be 20 for, you know, it depends on the launch or if it's an event because it's PR, strategy, a lot of consulting work, but also a lot of the doing with influencer marketing and events and PR, all that stuff. Amazing. Can you explain to the audience what is influencer marketing? I mean, you guys could yeah. probably explain it better than me. <laughs> yes, I would know it well. <laughs> you know, influencer marketing to me is a little bit different than I think the textbook definition. Yeah. I think influencer marketing is how do you create influence and impact. So in this day and age, thought leadership and share of voice is as important as brand fit or audience, right? So it's engagement. It's all of the different things of, is there a fan base? Is there a fandom as opposed to just onlookers? Right. Um, but in the case of brands, you know, it's talent, celebrity, anything to do with brand deals. You know, in the Ciroc days, it was the Diddy's and the DJ Khaled's and the French Montana's. As you both know very well, the Don Julio 1942 crew and what yes. it looked like to see. That's how we first met. Yeah. Elisa yeah. was actually the one or, or one of the people that put together the 1942 crew, which if you follow me on social media, you've probably worked out by now. I'm not only a big fan of Don Julio, but <laughs> a member of the 1942 crew, and that's how we first met. So well, and well. I championed really hard not only for Georgia, but for the Georgias because I felt like we had this incredible concept and we had some really amazing DJs in it. But besides having Caper DJing at all of the um, neon carnivals, mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of female representation no, and yeah. there wasn't any female representation on the actual crew. And so bringing you on and Caper and some of the amazing badass women that are some of my favorite DJs, not just beautiful with great audience, it was also part of the brand messaging and the brand story and the history of the brand. So yeah. 
for me, influencer marketing is brands being able to tap community as the plus one to the party. So if you are allowing a brand into a culture, a community, a group of friends, if you will, right? Yep. You need to be ushered in a little bit. You need to know they got vetted or vouched or co-signed that they are who they say they are. Um, and I think that's changed. I think 10 years ago even, if you paid, you could play, right? Right. And the audience was okay with that. And now I think it's really about brands that are showing that authenticity and showing that thoughtfulness around what influencers they're not only paying to play with, but also subsidizing or supporting or executive producing and creating budgets for them to grow and scale as entrepreneurs um, or as creatives, not just advertising platforms that it's like might as well be a billboard. Yeah. yeah. I have to say that has been my exact experience working with Don Julio. I mean, it's not just that I get sent you know, lucky me, bottles of 1942 and well, some of their other. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one of the perks. Um, it's it's so much more than that. I'm in constant communication with the team over there uh, at Hunter PR and at Diageo and, and they're constantly wanting to work on just about everything that I want to work on. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the podcast. Um, they've been very involved in a lot of the VR stuff I've worked on. We've done dinners that Shanine has been involved in. I mean, it's really, it's a very sort of 360 approach. Yeah. And and I think it pays off. I mean, I don't really go to a gig now where I don't have people sort of come up to me and go, oh, hey, Georgia, Don Julio, 1942, you know, let's yeah. have a drink. Like, it, it's such a big part of my brand now that I would almost be lost, like, God forbid they ever took it away from me. I, I, it would be yeah. like a big part of me is gone. What would be your advice for anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur like I know there's a lot of women um, and also males like trying to find their voice and their authentic self through Instagram and kind of brings up a lot of stress and anxiety to show ourselves but I think now I've gotten to the routine of understanding like just being like writing down what is true to me and Mm -hmm. bringing that to my to my audience what would be your advice to anyone trying to like get into that next step in terms of brand deals or yeah. finding their voice? Finding their voice and, yeah. like, to endorse those brands that yeah. they, you know, they that they love. Yeah. I think that you used an important word, which is love, right? Yeah. The most important thing for a brand is brand love, brand loyalty, brand trust. It's emotional words that we use when we're talking about friendships and, yeah. I mean, goals like yours, right, and just different sisterhoods or if you're in a romantic relationship or a family relationship – at the end of the day, on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we're looking at not just the physiological needs on the base, but also that safety and security and that love and af- affirmation and affection before you get anywhere near self-actualization, right, much less community actualization. So I think that when people take a step back from trying to microwave success and looking so far so fast, and mm. we're all guilty of it, right? Mm. If you are visionary, you have to be delusional. If you are a futurist, you have to be a historian. You have to look... 10 miles ahead, 100,000 feet up, right? But when you scale it back down, is what are the little steps that you can take right away without losing yourself? And just to go back to what Georgia said about 42, it's easy with you because humbly, because I was on a great team and it takes a village, we chose well. Mm -hmm. The reason it's easy for you is because you are a fit. You are in the right relationship with the right brand that you came in at the right time when you probably don't even remember the times we met before at the birthdays. Oh, and I do. I do. The, yeah. But I, but I <laughs> yeah. already knew yeah. from not your Instagram, which you did have a following, 
but it was moderate at the time, right? Yeah. It was it was yeah. minimal at the time compared to your star power, how you owned a room, much less read a room, the quality of the music, the camaraderie and the family of really valid people in the industry as well. And that's the thing I think a lot of people don't realize. What the audience doesn't see is this, is the relationships that we don't always post about or talk about that are just genuine mm-hmm. relationships of women, men, whoever, wanting to see each other rise, wanting to support each other. And so that actually creates some of the virality. Mm. So I'll answer the question first, but I'll say one thing actually, which is one thing that worked with the 1942 crew was we knew everyone. These were our real friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we knew who, I almost said fucked with each other. We knew who <laughs> had a camaraderie already, right? Yeah. We knew who, if they posted, they would engage and like, whether it was part of their transactional metrics or not. Yeah. And so when you create organic moments and it's a tribal marketing, it's tribal and community oriented because they're actually in the booth together or working yes. on an album on the side yeah. or yeah. want another shot. Or just <laughs> shooting so, the shit outside of work. Yeah. yeah. yeah which so we all do. It, so it becomes organic. So you might have transactional metrics of like this number of appearances, this number of posts, this number of whatever. But the reality is you're going to go above and beyond, even accidentally or organically, because it's a part of your natural lifestyle. Big time. And that's where you win. So Mm. when you're talking about a new creative or a new entrepreneur or a new celebrity or influencer, um, I think it's two things. I think from a social media technical perspective, it's having patience with the process. You're not going to go viral overnight. Brands need to understand that also. You might, but there's no science to it, right? I think it's really having consistency and authenticity and consistency in your authenticity because social media is not reality. It is a fragment of reality, a fractional reality, even if you're honest because someone that's only posting their family, that's what they want you to see. Yeah. Someone that's only posting their red carpet lifestyle, that's also what they want you to see. Yeah. So all these opinions we have on people, like this person's wholesome or this person's a wild child or this person's whatever. Yeah. It is a curated content catalog of what they decided they wanted to share with you. So there is no reality in that. And so what it comes down to is what parts of yourself do you want to be the most open with and allow for the authentic brands that fit to show up. So if it's relationships for you, if it's health and wellness, if it's wealth and entrepreneurship, whatever is authentic to you, you can't be all things to all people. So I think lifestyle folks sometimes make the mistake of being fashion and fitness and beauty and this and that and that's fine when you're trying to find your path Mm. but you got to hone in on the couple of things that really make you you and then shoot your shots like sometimes it's doing free things for brands and getting their attention because it's getting a little bit of notice Mm yeah and sometimes it's about just truly showing up in ways that fit yeah but I actually think the best thing it doesn't always work but if you have the patience is just doing you doing you really well, Being doing you. you patiently. Yeah. And that ability to just, if you build it, they will come, the field of dreams model, I know that we've shifted to the attention economy and it's go to where they are and then build something. Yeah. I'm still old school. I think the brands that have the most staying power, whether it's a corporation, a startup, or talent, mm. are ones that have the strongest foundation. It takes longer to lay the foundation than set up the walls. And so you can go chase it, and there's a lot of ways to chase it, and it is giving them what they want, doing your research, finding out what is on their programming strategy, where are they spending money, what logos are on what festivals or what invites that you liked, because guess what? They had to pay to be there. 
So that means that where their time, money, or attention is going, that's where they're going. Mm. So there's ways to hack it. Yeah. But you're going to get found out if it's not really who you are. Yeah. Absolutely. It's going to come back around to you. That's what they say. You might make a little money first. You might get a little attention first, but it's not the happiest people. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Actually, something you said before um, really resonated with me where you where you made a comment about if people post their family, that's what you mm-hmm. want to see. If people post red carpet, that's that's what they want you to see. Um, it, I often get the feedback because of my Instagram and, and I will openly admit I'm quite nervous about posting on social media. You'll, you'll notice on my Instagram and one of my probably my biggest goal is to get a lot better at this is I I don't post a lot on my feed because I'm really nervous about Mm. putting myself out there. It Mm. is scary putting yourself out there, especially being authentic because, you know, what if people judge me? What if they don't like me? Um, I'm just waiting for the Home Depot posts. Honestly, okay, this is hilarious. I'm I'm doing a small renovation on my condo, right? Small, yeah, it was small. It's turned rather big. (laughs) And I have this wonderful handyman who's working on my place and he doesn't, uh, he's, He's from Ukraine, wonderful guy, but I haven't quite worked out how to get him to go to the hardware store himself. And so just just to make it easier, he just gives me a list, but what he will often do is give me a list and I'll get back from Home Depot and he'll give me another list, like, straight away. So for the last two weeks, everyone's been laughing because I've just been posting. marriage practice, by the way. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, okay, so it's good training for me. Um, I've been going to Home Depot probably twice a day. Um, please give me a deal. I'd yeah. love to be a Home Depot ambassador. Right. I actually know your aisles backwards now. If you want to know where wooden floor glue is, it's on aisle 27 <laughs> at the back. Paintbrushes, aisle six in the middle. I've got you. Uh, no, no, but just to circle back to what I was saying before, it's funny, like everybody who looks at my current social media yeah. feed, like, feed probably thinks that I'm a drunk. <laughs> socially responsible drunk. That's why 1942 drunk. loves her. I know because because there's a lot of tequila posts on there. But what they don't realize, and and one of my goals with this podcast is is like everybody, there's a there's a lot more parts to me, including yeah. wellness and balance. I mean, most of my time is dedicated to being well. I love to work out. Um, I'm a terrible meditator, completely inconsistent, but you know, I, when I can, I I love it. Um, I eat really well, that sort of thing. And that's really why I wanted to do this podcast. So to create more content so that people actually get a full picture for who I really am. Yeah. Yeah. When do you think it's an unhealthy habit with social media? Like when it goes too far? Yeah. I mean, almost day one, right? Like the the (laughs) difficult answer for all of us is it is the most legalized addictive substance far beyond anything else. It's encouraged. It's encouraged. Yeah, like tequila is the least of your problems. Uh, Yes, I agree totally. Um, Well, so first of all, when it comes to the programming piece, I think that resonates with me a lot because I think that how we show up. Sometimes it's curated, sometimes it's not. But for me, at least, I would get I wouldn't say backlash, but like misinterpretation or misunderstanding Mm. when I was selling celebration, right? It wasn't, I was, I barely drank when I worked in liquor. It was really about creating experiences and making sure that people were having an amazing time and something to celebrate the milestones, the weddings, the birthdays, the promotions. I had the time of my life in my job. Like we really got to help make people's most important moments better. And whether that was a festival or New York Fashion Week, whether that was Sundance or Coachella, it didn't matter what category or industry. It didn't matter if it was a super celebrity or 
the takeover of local taquerias and with murals and being oh. able to help subsidize the community, you really get an opportunity with big brands to do meaningful work that when you're a startup or when you're independent, you do more meaningful work, I think, for you, mm. but sometimes you don't get to have as much reach and expansion. And so that's something that I really strive for and why I still work with big brands, even on the agency side and not only cool startups and entrepreneurs, even though that's where my heart is, because that's the Robin Hood, right? That's the Trojan horse of how do you kind of sneak it into the community, the culture, the people that are really moving the needle. Yeah. Um, but when you're only showing up in a certain way, and like for me, my, my family is very private. My sister would literally never talk to me again if I posted my nephew. Like it yeah. is- Mine too. Yeah. Ever. Yep. I mean, I shouldn't speak to me for a month when I, I mean, he was blanked out with hearts. <laughs> you couldn't even <laughs> see him. Yeah, wow. But I recognize that because I'm very, I'm much more present in my family life or in my home life or in places like if I'm volunteering downtown, I'm not like, hey, kids, selfie. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. And so Not judging people for doing that, yeah. but I, there, I, and it's not my cup of tea. There's value in it because yeah. it inspires others to do True. it, right? True. It's literally just a lack of consciousness where yeah. I'm not as thoughtful as I should be. As a branding expert, I don't focus on personal brand, and that's something that I am slowly starting to adapt to, but more so on a personal level than a brand level. Because it's never stopped my, bla my flag. It's never blocked my bag. It's never stopped success. But it does make people question where your priorities are. If all they see is a photographer from some event that you did, they don't know if you're there as a guest or as a produce the whole thing or whatever. Mm. Um, but if my feed is showing luxury and lifestyle and travel and events and this kind of glamorous, grandiose life, of course that's a portion of it. That's You wouldn't have footage if it wasn't, right? Yeah. It's not like it's... AI or CGI, yep. but it's a very tiny fraction. It's the least significant part of my life to me. And so when you think about your relationships or when you're dating or how someone would first encounter you, you get very little visibility to, at least for me, my priorities, my goals, who I am, how I am. You just see what I do, right? Yeah. Um, but I would say that where social media becomes unhealthy is both as an audience member and a, consu a consumer and as a creator. Mm. So it's unhealthy as a creator because especially as you're growing and you get the fears around, should I post this? Should I not post this? What are people going to say? Am I going to get engagement? Mm -hmm. Big one. The numbers have become uh, an anxiety worry Ooh. and it affects your job. Yeah, we it both, had, we both yeah. had theories yeah. over that. And, yeah. and your judgment. Yeah. And it yeah. actually does, as entertainers, as creatives affect your money and your success mm. and your status but it's this dopamine kick of these massive highs and lows that mm. when it's good it's great and when it's not if you are not so substantive and solid and secure within yourself those lows will get you those lows will destroy you yep inside out and I think even if you are mm. solid and secure it's impossible not to right so mm. when you're the one doing the output, I think it's needing to take breaks from even checking the likes. Maybe it's just hiding your like count for a couple weeks just so that it's between you and the algorithm. Yeah. Maybe it's something where you're just doing a tester, you know, like a first pancake with something that's more important to you that you know the audience that you've curated it doesn't care. If they've only followed you for music, they've only followed you for parties, you start posting sea moss and vegan recipes, they're going to be like, 
What happened? Where's yeah. the tequila? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. is there a beat to this? Like, it's coming, guys. The CMOS <laughs> is coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but realistically, yeah. it's not that it's not highly sticky content yeah. or that it would be engaged. It's talking to the wrong audience without educating your audience to go on the journey with you. Right. So I think part of it is taking the time to, like, let some of that stuff fall flat and start driving and attracting a different audience. And if you need to archive it, archive it. If you need to take it down, take it down. But not have it all be for the likes. Some of it is to create a bigger picture, a better picture of you for you. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what everyone thinks about it. Right. But then as a consumer, we're also so addicted. And I mean... I already had carpal tunnel from volleyball. I mean, I did yeah. not need it from my phone. Yeah. I know. So bad. And it's it's screen time. It's the light. It's the technology. It's on your brain waves. I mentioned I got in a car accident at the end of last year, and even as one of my closest friends, like, I don't didn't talk about it that much. I know? didn't know. Yeah. yeah. And I was at Art Basel. I mean, that's where it happened, wasn't yeah, it? it was right and, and I'm just shocked that I didn't know about it. I'm sorry. No, and it's fine. Thank you. And it's fine. And I was very, very fortunate. It could have been much worse. Oh. But, you know, I'm told I'm supposed to have neck surgery. I have all of these different PT things. In six months, I didn't travel when I hadn't stayed home for more than a month in New York or LA in the last 10 years. Oh yeah, you're constantly on the move. Like you travel like a DJ or worse. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Need that DJ budget. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was was really, really crazy. But what I realized was I had to be very thoughtful about my screen time because I had traumatic brain injury. Granted, it was manageable, um, but I was dealing with really bad memory loss and brain fog. And as someone that is paid for their brain by the billable hour as a strategist. Yes. Yeah. It was terrifying for the first few months. Because wow. I, like, I am, my superpower is my memory. Like, I have, I mean, first thing I, I warned guys about when I start dating, too. I'm like, if you're going to start lying, start lying now, because I'll, yeah, I'll I can't switch up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> memory like an elephant, I call yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been my superpower, though. And yeah. it's something that I think I appreciate in my work and in school and all of that. But it's also why I think I'm able to foster such incredible relationships over the years because I deeply care about people and I listen but I also have great recall so I will remember someone 10 years later and ask about their mom or the thing they told me about 10 years ago because what a skill and it was yeah but so it took almost six months to start getting it back wow and I'm in a much better place now but when you have multiple concussions I had only read about it or heard about it from a, a girlfriend that had a really serious brain injury yeah you don't realize how much it causes irritability and emotional yes. like ups and downs. Yeah. You don't realize like it makes you worrying and pining over people and things that like wouldn't even be on your radar. Yeah. It affects your entire body. Wow. And I really underestimated it. And I was like I was conscious of like my neck and back pain and needing to like adjust workouts and physical therapy. But mm-hmm. as it relates to both um, mind and social media, I had to take longer breaks because I couldn't be on my phone the way that I usually am. And I am, my agency, we have amazing team, but we're all over the place. So yes, we have meetings and yes, we have events, but a lot of what we do is remote. A lot of what we do is on Zoom. And so all of the screen time, all of the meetings, all of the, I couldn't watch Netflix and chill without getting migraines for the first time in years. Oh, wow. wow. And so as you start coming off of that, you realize how much this stuff really affects you because you take it for granted until you can't. And so when I was recovering, and again, I say this with like, I don't mean to downplay it, but I don't, it's not as bad as what many people have been through. It was 
Well, it's all relative. It's yeah, still, yeah, it was, still a yeah. crazy experience for sure. you. Sure. Yeah. But it was, it was so eye-opening because something that minor in my mind mm. had such implications on media and social media. Mm-hmm. And so it was good, though, because I wasn't paying attention to it. And I realized, just like everything else in life, it goes on when you don't. Mm-hmm. And it also made me less inclined to even post on feed and things unless it was something I really felt like sharing. Yeah. Because I was on autopilot. Not that I was afraid because I'm not an influencer, influencer. So, like, I, I'm i not, like, fearful of a certain post necessarily because right. it won't affect my, you know what I mean? But I I just didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I think it really gets into your head. Yeah. I can resonate with that as well. I just did a social detox. Mm. And just like Georgia and even with being an influencer model and just a talent, there was a lot of fear um, with posting and engagement because it's my job to kind of have the numbers. And But I find today people don't really like things anywhere. Like I'm like a scroll and you're like, oh, and then go past. But then it just created this shame, fear, anxiety, stress consistently. And doing taking away my phone for a week and the fear of always not posting, I got back from my social detox. I was like, I don't care. Right. I was like, yeah. I really don't care anymore. And prior and to the detox, I remember you saying to me, you yeah. were like, how am I going to handle the posting while I'm off my phone for the week? Like yeah. maybe I can schedule the post, but I won't be posting stories. Like you were worried. Yeah, I just realised the stress the the built right. up anxiety that comes with the pressure the pressure and the social media it's really bad for our mental health right. don't get me wrong like there's so many great ways to deal with social media and I love it for like brand building like for me like getting my beauty brand out there and mm-hmm. reaching out to my because it's a passion of mine and like helping people and making themselves feel confident and loved and feel great about themselves and I love getting in touch with people in the audience that's what's great and yeah. I do have to be particular about what I share in my personal life as right. well like someone was like oh you posted your car and I was like oh well someone's gonna find me <laughs> I was like okay but um with my son you know they're like you should share more I was like well I don't feel like I need to like do that all the time but it was just like every day imagine that like the brainwaves of like everything's like popping into your head but I yeah I got out and it was just I said I really don't care and I'm gonna post what's authentic and what feels right for me and take away the screen time as much as like be on there I don't know like two three hours or when I can but I'm working and doing all the things I love but taking away the screen time I feel like that was that I saw a huge shift yeah. for me as well. Have you limited your screen time? Is, are you still, like, being consistent in that habit? Yeah. Me? Yeah. Uh, yes. I – obviously, I'm like, I have to post. Yeah. <laughs> it's my job. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but I found being more of my authentic self yeah. with what I'm posting and sharing more. And I've found people – the feedback has been really, really – rewarding as well um just even with my captions and all that just that social detox did so much for me um so yeah I I don't know do you think people should cut down their screen time even though we have so much pressure from society and brands to like yeah keep going I don't know it's like how do we find a balance with that man I wish I knew the answer to that one yeah it seems like you have though (laughs) well 
It's not consistent though, right? right? I think that we're all encumbered by knowledge that we activate or don't activate. Mm -hmm. And I think everything you just described is also withdrawals, right? We're talking about an actual addiction. Mm. Those are withdrawals because like we have, it. of course we, we all are. are. Okay. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> we're in it together. This yeah, is just a trauma bonding we're, session, we're, not yeah, an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's coming up, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, but of, of course we are because mm. this is the hit. Even if you don't drink alcohol, even if you don't do drugs, even if you don't drink coffee or even eat sugar, there is no one on the planet in this generation unless you truly just never set up an account or don't use your phone like that, which is fair. But mm. in this town, in this industry, I can't imagine anyone that's not entirely addicted. I think that for me, what works when I'm doing it, which is not usually, is the same way scheduling work blocks where like you have periods of time that you can go check it, go down the rabbit hole, do whatever you want, and then you're not manically just compulsively or impulsively checking it over and over again throughout the day. Mm -hmm. But even with work blocks, I end up still working in between work blocks, right? Yeah. So I think, I don't know how realistic it is, but I do think sometimes it just takes going cold turkey to reset. Um, humans are just like electronics, and it's not the first or the last person to say that, but you have to have a hard reset. You have to unplug, turn it off, turn it back on to get it to work again if it's jiggity and going crazy and mm. there's no more troubleshooting right mm -hmm. so some of it I think is actually needing to take breaks and some of it I think is retraining and reprogramming your mind because anything in moderation is fine in my opinion I am not the person that's like give up everything live miserably but you'll be healthy mm. like I also I care a lot about health and wellness and even more so after the accident frankly and I have always been to fitness and all these things but I live a very full life and so that includes culture, and culture includes food and drink and dance and music and language and all the things that make cultures vibrant and different from each other, right? Yeah. So if I'm just like, nope, can only drink green juice, I'm not going to experience travels the same way. Yeah. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's everything in moderation is important, and it is your career and your job, mm -hmm. and it's an extension of your work, so you have to. Mm -hmm. Some of that can be scheduled. Some of that can be probably interns or support staff, but you also want to be involved and engaged authentically and organically yes, with definitely. your audience. Yeah. And that goes a long way both in terms of building the relationship. Like The Rock is the master at this. He's literally in there responding to everyone himself. Mm. Tiffany, the same way. There's certain talent yeah. that like they are in there. I don't know if they also have social media managers and stuff, but when you have the busiest people in the world, the largest followings in the world, knee deep in it, it's hard to compete with it without being a little bit engaged, right? Yeah. yeah. So I would just say that you just have to enjoy it more. I do think there's still real implications on the brain and health where too much is still too much, mm. period, yeah. from a technical pers technological perspective, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. that just shouldn't be by our brain waves all the time. But I think that, like, as we look at the impact of AR and VR, of AI, how social media is evolving, how the internet and immersive technology is evolving, the technology is also getting better. Um, and so I think we will be in a world where it's not quite as damaging or devastating to the brain or to our skin and health and all of that to have, whether it's headphones or goggles or the phones, et cetera. But in the meantime, I think it's allowing yourself to do what you love more and post what you love and be who you are yeah. without, it's easier said than done, especially in your position. But I think it is reprogramming, um, not just our attachment to the outcome and to opinions, but also what we expect to happen. 
because we are manifesting all the time, right? We are praying all the time and wishing all the time, whether it's for or against whatever we're putting our attention on. Mm. And so if your attention is on, oh my gosh, what if this fails? If your attention is on, oh no, Jane Doe in the same lane is killing it. I don't know if there's enough for me. Or yeah. Yeah. it's so oversaturated. Whatever the, whatever the can't is, we've also programmed ourselves because our algorithm in our life and our algorithm on our feed isn't always rainbows and sunshine. We're watching the news and society erupting or nature and health and, you know, it's like whether it's the vegetables or the meats, like everything's poison, you know, all the things. Yeah. So we're constantly consuming negative talk. Yeah. How can we possibly expect people to not have negative self-talk if you're constantly consuming? Well, if your man's not doing this, you've got to leave him because in Instagram and TikTok say they should be doing that. Yeah. yeah. Or if you don't look like this, when you wake up flawless, you mm-hmm. are That's hideous a tough and should one. just not go out and see the world. Yeah. What about being judged yeah. for our followers? Like how yeah. many followers we have. To Like, yeah, I, was, I don't know what party it was. I think you could only go to a party if you only had a million followers and up. Mm. Well, you went to an event where they literally, they would only allow people in with a million followers. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, and I, I don't, I, th- I had a casting one time and they ask for your yeah. Instagram handle and how many followers you have. Wow. That's, that's called cuts to marketing budget. Even like I saw it. <laughs> yeah. Where, no, seriously, that's where that comes from. Yeah, it's a business. I get it. But then imagine like everyone else, the feeling like I had to re- like had to release because you're being judged for how many followers you have, right. and it really doesn't mean crap. I'm sorry. Like right. it could it be fake. It could be fake. There's most bots of it is. all the yeah. time. Most of it is. But yeah. there's so I just feel like there's a lot of anxiety. Don't get me wrong. I still love social media because it's yeah. a way for me to connect yeah. with my audience, my friends, my friendship, just to support and be there, like keep up with fashion and the things that I do mm-hmm. love. But the the judgment of um, our followers, like I think it was related to um, Black Mirror. Do you remember that episode? Oh of Black yeah. Mirror? Oh yeah. Mm. She couldn't get the house or the she, apartment. Or isn't something. that oh, crazy right. how that came came yeah. along? How true it is. What All do you think? It. What do you All think is it. the next social media device Oof. thing that's gonna happen? Like the weird thing because Black Mirror has got it down packed. Yeah. I feel like because I think they got the AI situation. If you've watched the new season yeah. as well with uh, Selma Hayek, that's kind of happening in some weird way. That's literally what the strike is actually about. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. Like, what do you think? Like, I'm like, just guessing. Where is it heading? Where is it heading? What do you think it's heading? I think everything happens in cycles. So wherever it's heading, it's going to head back. I think that we go really over-polished, over-produced, over-perfected until everyone feels the pain and the prestige and the kind of posturing of it all and then it's like oh we want it to look more grainy more gritty more real Mm. and then it circles back because just like fashion and music every 10 to 20 years it's going to be a new cycle Mm. we haven't seen the patterns of social media yet because it's within the last 20 years Mm. and so it's harder Mm. to gauge because it moves faster we've already seen cycles um, from facebook instagram before myspace and then tiktok and and then be real right 
it cycled back to just right. picture in real time right. with no editing. My, my, my partner did the best be real. <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? I think, sorry to add this. Um, I, he, I'm not um, present on be real, but he was at the time, we were just his friends, and I was in labor. And literally, he didn't be real when you're in labor. labor. <laughs> and his friend's like, Best be real of the year. That, that might be. No, it was legendary. just it was all happening. Was I literally it you punching him for doing a be real when yeah. you're in labor. No, I was literally. <laughs> I was in. My hair was wet from <laughs> me just getting out of the shower and leaving my house because I was in yeah. the most excruciating pain. Yeah. And I just got to the hospital. I was literally on all fours, like till this end. You're <laughs> on all fours. Yeah, I had my. I was, you know, I was safely dressed. So he wasn't putting me in a position, and, yeah. I, and I'm, you know, I trust him, and it was just with friends and who I all know as well. So yeah. I didn't feel like it was a bad thing. I felt fine with it, but it was the most. I can look at it and laugh. I was like, that is the most craziest be real. <laughs> but it's the most real time, right? It was so the I, most real, authentic thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what's going to be the more, like when you say what's next. I don't know mm-hmm. in terms of technology, right? Because when you think about the technical tools that people gravitate towards, initially it was like the visuals of Instagram and then it was, you know, the sound bites of just the witticisms of Twitter and Clubhouse popped off because of the audio, but then they Yeah, you were huge on Clubhouse. Rest in peace. No rest <laughs> Is Clubhouse gone? No, not technically, but it's it's right. it's gone for us. Yeah, Elisa and I actually reconnected during the pandemic on I'm Clubhouse. So for oh, it. Me too. Yeah. And I remember just I I was newer to Clubhouse than you were. You'd been on it for a little bit, and I stumbled into one of your uh, rooms that you were hosting, yeah. and I and I thought I know that voice. I know that calming, amazing <laughs> voice full of wisdom. That's Elisa. And you were absolutely crushing it on the platform. And in the mid-sentence, I'm like, Georgia? Yeah. <laughs> Is that Georgia? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that was a fun time. And it was. But yeah. it was it was the tools and it was a sign of society, right? So we're on lockdown, pandemic. Mm. Everyone has a whole lot of time on their hands but has no connectivity, has no participation, has no community. So suddenly voice, the intimacy of voice brought us all together. Mm-hmm. So that kind of lightning in a bottle moment happened in response to society, right? Yes. I think that the be real also happened in response to exactly what we're talking about, which is the challenges for your standard person that is not being paid to be on there, that is not completely dictating their life around it. Where do they fit in it, right? Because they're still comparing themselves to the 1% who are comparing themselves to the 0.01% who bought most of their followers or at least most of their bodies. Mm. Mm. So it's a really, <laughs> but it's a yeah. really, w- with no shade said, but it's it's not a transparency around it. So we're comparing ourselves to things that don't exist and people that don't exist or didn't. Yes. And so how can you find your sense of self, much less your voice, if you don't even know where you sit within the ecosystem? Mm. Um so I do think that people want more connectivity and more participation. I think while I'm a huge advocate for immersive technology and AI and all of it, I don't think we're ever going to enter a world, maybe unpopular opinion, where everyone's just in the metaverse, in this alternate universe. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Because we want human touch. There's nothing is ever going to, no FaceTime is ever going to have, beautiful eyes, by the way, both of them. <laughs> but like, you're not going to have that same connection or intimacy or vulnerability if you have a screen, it's a, mm. it's a literal wall up. And so, you know, you think about it even in like dating, if you have long distance relationships, say, yeah. 
you've got to have a light at the end of the tunnel, though. Mm. If you have no touch, if you have no kiss, if you have no physical presence, mm. intimacy isn't sex. Intimacy is this, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that, you can have the best conversations on the planet. You can talk all day, every day. You can be a part of each other's lives. You can call and FaceTime. But if you don't create space to see each other or eventually be with each other, I don't know how long-lasting that can be. And yeah. I think friendships and business is the same. Yeah, I feel... I had a girlfriend who was telling me, like, I wish I said what I said on, like, I held myself together and I said it on text and all that. I'm like, I really disagree. Mm. I just feel like we don't get the true feelings across or be misconstrued through text. Like, you know, we can say something like, and the other person's like, well, that was rude. But you're like, oh, no, no, no. Like, right. it's just like maybe how you write it. Okay. So it, she or he said that about a real-life situation that they felt vulnerable in? Well, more so she just felt, like, comfortable to say it on text. Like, everything would be better if I just write it out, and I get that. But I said, I think it's better to be connected, more connected when you're with the person and looking at them in the eyes and you're right there with your emotions and saying what you really want to say. And I think maybe that's something to play with, like, people losing their touch of sharing their feelings of course i mean i think that's stopped huge yeah it got i don't know when it got uncool to care it's this weird divide actually because i feel like millennial speaking but (laughs) also millennial (laughs) (laughs) but i think there's a balance because on one i almost said it became uncool to care but then it also became cool to care more than i feel like is necessary Mm -hmm. so i feel like there's sort of this gen z thing that we can learn from, which is setting better boundaries, prioritizing mental health, being much more aware of your emotions and your feelings and diving into them. I think in the workplace and in certain aspects of relationships, you also need to find the art of managing your emotions and learning to experience them without them controlling your behavior, the same way your thoughts can run away without you if you don't have a certain sense of grounding and kind of spiritual connection to manage them. Um, but that said, I also grew up in a household that was very supportive, really loving parents, can't complain, but it wasn't a you get your way when you cry household. Mm. And so my dad, if I was like sobbing hysterical and he couldn't understand what I was saying, it was like, go to your room and get yourself together and Mm. come back. And it wasn't mean spirited, but I realized that over the years I learned that I don't get what I want unless I'm composed and have a case to be made. To the point where they thought I was going to be a lawyer as a child because I negotiated everything. Yeah. (laughs) Everything. But that was really challenging because I went into relationships as a wild empath, super sensitive soul that spent my whole childhood like writing. I was published in poetry at seven. I was like an artist. I was a creative. Mm. And then I spent my whole 20s trying to be taken seriously in business and, you know, manage multi-million dollar budgets, which as a young woman in male-dominated spaces, emotion was not going to get you there. And then going into relationships, wondering why I wasn't able to communicate my emotions effectively because it was so logical and pragmatic until it wasn't. And so I had never cried in front of a guy, including my boyfriends, until after we broke up, until I think I was 30. Really? Wow. Oh, I'd find somewhere to cry. Not saying boys didn't make me cry. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'd find somewhere to cry. But I just, I had it so ingrained in me that I needed to have myself together and be composed and as a man they don't always actually receive what you're saying when you're coming to them as a man 
Because at the end of the day, composure and that deliberate delivery is brilliant in business, but it's brilliant in business. It's our divine masculine as women. Yeah. And that frenetic feminine is not necessarily the best alternative. I'm not saying we should be chaotic and sobbing and freaking out. Yeah. But that vulnerability and allowing of emotion and being empathetic and nurturing and sometimes it is crying or mm-hmm. losing it, right? Mm. That is a big part of our femininity. And in business, we're so wired to like fight against the stereotypes. Like, oh, women are so crazy. They've got all these feelings and hormones. God forbid mm. you give them a budget or a <laughs> job title, right? They yeah. might press the big red button someday because they're on their period. Because they don't know what they're doing. Because right. they can't think. Right. Because all the emotions are just all up in your yeah. head. Right. Oh, my gosh. But I do think that like when you can manage your emotions and decide to be there, like, a, it is a, not always a conscious decision, right? But, like, there's something to be said to consciously allow yourself to be aligned with your emotions. And whether they're good or bad, you fail faster, first of all. You hit your shit quicker to bounce back. Mm. And we're all seeking peace, not mania or depression, not joy or sadness, not even expansion or contraction. Mm. We're seeking peace. Mm. Yeah. Men and women and non-binary, anything in between, all of us as human beings are born as joy and peace. There's nothing else. There's no self-hate. There's no racism. There's no bigotry. There's no gender inequality. There's none of that. Mm-hmm. If you have a baby, it is just pure love. Sure is. Yeah. And peace. It's an empty vessel, right? It's like you pour into it. Yeah. Your child is going to be everything you in the village you surround the child with. That's it. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why they say, like, you are the company you keep or your five closest friends, all that stuff. Mm. I think it's actually reverting back to that that child of, like, the most energy you're consuming is going to affect you. It is either who you are or who you will become. Always. No exceptions. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you're arguing, it's probably because it's who you're becoming, not who you are yet. Mm. And I think that it's very difficult to not want to manage it because we're told that we're crazy if we emote. Sure, emotion, yeah. yeah. But to your friend's point, I could also write a really great text message. Yeah. At this point, so could AI. There's like breakup letters. Oh, the chat, yeah, chat, yeah, chat GPT. I, I love her. Yeah. And <laughs> she's very handy. When I can't think at night, I need some ideas. <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it's skewing the lines, right? Yeah. And it brings it back to that Black Mirror episodes and things like that where mm-hmm. It's going to be the next iteration of social media is going to be AI enhanced without question in my mind. And whether that's the captions are being written or the reels are being created, it's going to be having a back of house, whether it's like an intern or a production team that is helping create it. So I don't know what that will lend itself to in terms of platform, but I think it's going to be much more real time and actually strangely, I think it's going to be more simplified and then more complex because as it simplifies, we're finding ways to make more efficient the complexities. Mm. And so I think people are taking that step back a little bit, right? And it's because the engagement is higher for the more authentic things than the perfectly produced real anyway. Yeah. But I think as AI and other immersive technologies come into play, whether it's your avatar, whether it's a CGI, whether it's some of the incredible metaverse stuff that you were working on in AR and VR, or just basic caption writing. Mm-hmm. The challenge I see with that is a lack of authenticity because 
as much as I champion for it, who wrote the caption? Who do you credit? It's like all the quotes mm. that are credited to like Buddha or Gandhi or Nelson Mandela, and you're like, I'm pretty sure that was a Snapple fact. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? But it but it it becomes this like free for all of rights. And I think that's where it gets really complex around IP, intellectual property, yep. which people forget to sound it out sometimes. Like IP, IP is this big conversation, but IP is, says intellectual property. That mm. doesn't mean just the things that you make. It's the things that you think. Mm. Yes. It's concepts, it's ideas, it's captions, it's phrases, it's literally the music, right? Yeah. It, it is what came out of your brain yep. into the world, period. Yeah. So I think that's going to be complex, but I hope that it creates more space, not less for vulnerability. Mm. And I hope that especially we as women stop regretting setting boundaries or expectations or feeling feelings because we think that's how you get or keep a man. And same with get or keep a job. Right. As yeah. a woman in business, do you think it's possible for women to have it all? I do. I do. And I say that without hesitation okay. because I choose to. Right. Do I have a lot of examples of it? No. Do I think you can have it all all at once? Yes, with an asterisk. Yes-ish. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, the yes-ish is because you have to put your attention singularly on one thing at a time for it to really thrive, right? Mm -hmm. And different stages of different life cycles require a different amount of attention, mm -hmm. whether that's a child, whether it's starting a startup, whether that's a marriage. So I do think you can have it all. I do think ultimately you can also have it all at once. I don't think you can build it all at once. Um, I think it's maybe possible, but I think, at least for me, I know how all or nothing I am. And so, you know, I made very conscious decisions not to get married early or have kids really early, even when it could have been a very beautiful journey in a different path, because... I really felt that I wanted to feel like I was fulfilling my purpose and a sense of calling, not just finances. Yeah, that really resonates with me too. Yeah. Yeah. And find that, right? Like I think mm. it's interesting because I think we actually know it and spend the rest of our lives finding out what it was that we knew when we were seven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like your seven-year-old self, I wish I could interview my seven-year-old self. She was lit. Like yeah. she really, <laughs> my seven-year-old <laughs> self. Yeah. She had all the energy in the world. She knew exactly who she was, who she wanted to be, mm. what her purpose on this planet was. Like, What would your seven-year-old self say if you were to interview her right now? Man, I think she'd be proud, which is something that's really important to me. Um, and I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but one of the things I used to do in college was I had this picture, I think I was about seven, and I have this like frilly dress on with, of course, shorts underneath because I was always climbing and jumping and everything. Yeah. One jelly shoe on, another one strewn in the lawn, a <laughs> oh big pink gosh. boa, a big, I mean, I might have been going to the derby top hat, like a pink, uh, the only pink, by the way, I've ever seen on me, because <laughs> I am so not a pink girl. I'm not a pink girl either. At no, all. But either. even as a child, my parents let me dress myself usually, but dress up was different, so I had, like, basically a costume on. Yeah. yeah. So I have, like, one of those kids' chairs, like, knocked over in the lawn, and you see the rhododendrons next to my house totally torn to shreds. <laughs> Because I clearly was trying to pick flowers for my mom from her bushes that I destroyed. <laughs> How nice <Logical>. of you. <laughs> um, but there's this photo, and I don't have a lot of family photos. My parents weren't big, like... Capturing Yeah, moments. they still aren't. I have to beg them to take pictures, even of themselves. They're oh. like, why do you want this? I'm like... Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm holding it, and I'm just, like, holding this rhododendron, smelling it with a shit-eating grin, massive smile, 
with this train wreck behind me without a care in the world. And it was just so much pure joy in the little things. And it was so much adventure. I mean, I'm lucky I didn't kill myself a thousand times over jumping out of trees. And <laughs> I was like a tomboy, but in a skirt. Yeah. yeah. I was a liability. Like, I don't know how my parents even still talk to me. Wow. But I had the best time. And I mm. had so much fun talking to grown-ups as much as babies. as much Like, there was no difference for me in age, in ethnicity, in race, in gender. Everyone had something to teach me. And I was so curious and so excited by everything. Mm. And all I cared about, and I remember, because this was something I used to, like, interview adults, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. And I always used to ask, what makes you the happiest? What is doing what you love? And different variations and different ways of having language at different ages, right? But at the core, it's still what I do, right? Like, everything I do is around creating more space for people to do what they love. And whether you look at the accessibility and education in DEI or whether you look at brand and founders and entrepreneurship, ultimately it's all the same. It's for different reasons and different communities, but it all comes back to just democratizing access to do what you love because I truly believe people would be happier if they did what they love. Yeah, yeah. It is yep. literally that simple. And I, more successful. More yeah. successful, yep. but also, like... We talk about, like, oh, how do we get world peace, this, that, and the other. The only thing we all have in common are the things that bring us joy. Mm -hmm. And that's relationships and connection. That's a sense of purpose and fulfillment. That's, you know, feeling seen and heard, not necessarily in the social media or fame sense, yeah, but, like, in just general. being received, right? Yeah. And to feel like whatever gifts you had or have are being shared, Mm -hmm. And that might be the, the gift of voice, that might be the gift of music, that might be the gift of appearance and talent and beauty and mastery, might be engineering. Mm. There's no right thing that makes you happy. But I think that like in a career sense, the more that we're able to do what brings us joy, either more efficiently the things that don't, so we can spend our time and money on the things that do, yep. or integrate it into our actual careers, People would just be nicer. Yeah, absolutely. Most people are rude because they don't want to be wherever you met them, which is usually their job. Yeah. It seems so easy when we think about it. Yeah, it's like, why don't we just do and write it down? Like, what do we love? And I guess some people don't maybe have feel like they have the access to do that. Right. But or like to they, monetize that. Yeah, to monetize that. But what such a, you're such an old soul and wise soul to be going up to adults <laughs> and yeah. saying, Oh, I was the most annoying you... kid on the block. I no. really want to meet seven-year-old Elisa, yeah. though. So seven-year-old... My neighbors El probably have stories. <laughs> <laughs> so seven-year-old Elisa would, yeah. tell you to to would tell you to chase joy and happiness. Yeah, and to spread it. I think mm. my seven-year-old self would have said, do what you love, make other people do what they love, and... Spread joy, spread laughter, spread ease. You know, I think we, we work so hard and we do so much. And at seven, you're not thinking about careers. You're thinking about life, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about what makes you money. It's about what makes you happy. And my adult self has been trying to solve for how does that combine, right? How does what you love actually get monetized again? Or how do you create more efficiencies around the things that are monetized to do what you love. At the end of the day, it still comes down to spending more time with the people you care about and respect and admire and appreciate you. Mm -hmm. Whether that is your partner, whether that is your children, whether that is family, friends. It could be the neighbor at the dog park, yeah. right? There are people that make you feel like you are expanding spiritually and people that make you feel like you are contracting. And the reality is, 
it's all you, right? So whatever you like or don't like about them is something you need to work on, and it's a beautiful experience to have that contraction. But ultimately, our goal is to be expanding, right? Yeah. To growing, yeah, to learning, to even in relationships. Anyone that I know that is actually happily married, I mean happily, not just married. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. big difference. They've yeah. had to <laughs> basically end and mourn a version of themselves and a version of the relationship multiple times over every several years, really, if you're constantly in growth. Yes. To be able to sustain. And what happens is, whether it's your business partner, your boss, your employees even, your friends, your life partner, your husband, your wife, you meet them where they are and you think they're not going to change or you don't want them to change. But you're changing. Mm, yeah. And mm-hmm. they're changing. And so you're not even recognizing that you're changing for better or for worse, right? Because mm. you're just doing life if you're not consciously doing life. And your partner is like doing their own thing. And each iteration of the relationship, you're actually having to see if you're even compatible or have chemistry or get each other anymore. Right. Mm. And if you don't, there's work to be done. It doesn't mean you should run, but you actually have to rest in peace one version of yourself, one version of the relationship, and transform. And I, I think we don't talk about that. We all grew up on Disney princesses, right? Yeah. Yep. And I grew up in a household where my parents have been happily married for 48 years. They met. They were engaged three months later. Wow, that's rad. <laughs> but they're workhorses. If you ask them the key to marriage, it's liking your partner. They're yep. literally best friends. And they're like, it's work. It's literally who do you want to do the tough stuff with? Who? My dad always says it's the grossest thing, but it's like you have to love their warts love their words. Yeah. Not like them, not tolerate them, not be okay with that blemish or that idiosyncrasy or that quirk. That actually has to be on your top 10 list, the things that they don't even like about themselves. Because in the hard times, in the dark times, in the low times, in the lulls, you actually have to like them yeah. and be wanting to do the work. And it's not about the looks and it's not about the sexual chemistry. Well, gross when you think about your parents. I had to get here somehow. Um, but like, it, it's not about those things. It really is about, because here's the thing. We are all powerful, successful, confident, loving women who have incredible relationships with the women in our lives and are very loving in the male relationships when we have them in our lives. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you could probably make it work with anyone. If you really wanted to, if they had the checklist, whatever the checklist is, mm. you could decide, I choose this person, I'm going to put in the work. Yeah. Yes. That doesn't mean it's aligned. And it doesn't mean that's the person that you want to go through the tough times with. Mm. So it goes back to the social media comment. It's like we get into these relationships when it's the social media highlights reel, mm. the honeymoon phase, yeah. the bells and whistles and the travel and the lifestyle or the Yeah, and then we find the comfort. <laughs> Right. You, yeah. so you find them. <laughs> or the warts, the red flags, yeah, yeah, if you will. Yeah. You might have them from the beginning, but you know what is a quirk and what is a deal breaker for you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You might not like the way they drink their water. Oh, I've definitely tried to make some red flags turn green in the past. It's funny that they don't, really. I love that you I love that you at least see them. That's yeah. progress. No, it used to be for me that, oh yeah, I can change them, but you know, I, Red flags inevitably get redder. That's yeah. what I've yeah. over the years, yeah. not the other way around. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think I would change it. It's Actually, what I've done in the past is also changing myself, Yeah. F- you know, 
to oh, big time to fit their situation or yeah. to see like and then we can mold you yeah we're, <laughs> I, i'll mold you yeah. stay where you are let yeah. me try and fix myself or like think of ways how i'm gonna be okay with this yeah it's right? okay that thing that's really important to me it's actually not that important yeah, even like, though it is like, you come in like so strong and then you're like yeah i'm gonna and then you get hit one day with oh i really like to do whatever it is especially uh, if you get comfortable and you revert back to your true self and they're like what i didn't sign up for that you don't like doing the dishes 10 times a day <laughs> i don't know how i feel about that <laughs> yeah i think the important um topic you discussed with that is we're continuously growing yeah. mm. um and expanding ourselves because if we're lucky yeah, yeah. if we're lucky um because so at the end of the day, for me, what I look for a partner, it's like I want them to be their best and yeah. accomplish all their dreams, yeah. you know, because isn't that what's going to make them happy in the end? And mm. then they're happy and then I'm happy, but also with myself and supporting one another, but being best friends. Yeah. Um, I've had a past relationship where I felt like we just weren't best friends. Yeah. And that was so painful. Yeah. Mm. We were like, what? Like, we're, we're, we've been doing this for how long? And we're not best friends. Yeah. And, and not everyone needs that. I know. Yeah. I'm I guess someone that needs that. You're I need that. that. needs that. Yeah. Mm. That not, hurt. Not everyone needs that. I think some people are in really, I don't know if healthy, but happy situations where that's not the role in each other's life. Mm. Yeah. But I can't even imagine what it would be like choosing the person you spend most of your time with not to be your best friend, like not to be the person you want to tell everything to when it's good or bad or run to to like go on adventures with or do nothing on the couch with like. And I mean, the biggest thing for me when I when I hear the words best friend is somebody who's got my back when shit's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how in life with our best friends, like our girlfriends mm-hmm. or even guy friends, whatever it may be, the the loyalty of years we have with our best friends. Right. But it's so different when it comes to our intimate partners okay. that we choose. It's like we – I've noticed it's like we will go to the nines for our best friends and mm. make sure if, – even if we have fights, we're like, we're going to figure this out. Right. Yeah. But some for some reason in our relationships, we're like, nah, done. I'm out. Right. Why can't we do that for? Why why can't our do you think best friends a time on that? Do you think that's true when someone's in a long term relationship, or more so when they're starting to date, or both? Uh, I don't know. I think both. Yeah. I don't know why we put the effort into getting to know someone that we want to be friends with, but right. we don't do that for the time that we want, you know, the most precious thing that we want in our whole life right. in our relationships. So it's just really interesting. I don't know why, but it's like, even with Georgia, like for years, or I have my close friends, it's like, no matter what happens, it's like, we're going to figure this out. Or oh, yeah. Away, we're going to try and, yeah. you know, but when it comes to our love intimate relationships, people don't seem to want to put that effort in yeah. to, you know, keep that going. It's just really interesting to yeah, me, the outlook of, all of that and I wonder why that is. Well, I think it should be the goal to find that person that you would figure out anything with just like you yeah. would your best friend. Right. Yeah. That's what I aspire to anyway. Well, I think 
So I believe in unconditional love, which I think is not always the case in this day and age. Do you think it's realistic, though? Because I feel like everything's conditional. I do. I unconditional you do? love. I do. I don't think that unconditional love means unconditional access or unconditional relationship. Right. Because I think that a lot of times we take this word unconditional mm. and test it. Yeah. And there are deal breakers and there are things that are not necessarily come backable from within a relationship mm. if it's something that's just an, a, a non-negotiable for someone. Mm. That doesn't mean the love is conditional. Mm. The relationship might be mm. because if we are not in alignment of what we want and what we need and who we are and what the relationship infrastructure looks like and what the mm. rules of that are, then sure, that doesn't make sense to stay in that dynamic together, right? Mm. Mm. But I do believe that there's an unconditionality of love because if you love someone deeply and you love them at their core and you love them with their faults, that love has to transcend loving them whether you are participating in their happiness or not mm -hmm. or whether they are participating in your happiness or making you sad or any of those things. You're not going to love someone or like someone while they're hurting you. No. Right. Absolutely not. No. No. Well, but you might be trauma bonded to them. <laughs> True, yeah. but which is why I think you love them. For sure, yeah. for yeah. sure. But I think that, like, it's okay to love fully and completely and let go. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest thing, especially as women, because we tend to gravitate towards, like, only remembering the good things, whereas men are much better, at least heterosexual men in typical, stereotypical relationships. I won't generalize broader than that. Mm. They're better at the, like, oh, I didn't like this thing, so it's, like, I can focus on that yeah. to move on, right? Yeah. And as women, like, when enough time passes and we're healed, it's like, oh, but remember the good times? And oh, all these God. Things? But name a name an ex that you couldn't name at least five really wonderful memories with. Yeah. We remember. I have one. <laughs> I Just could, one, though. <laughs> you, could, you could find them, though, because. It was what, a quick relationship. <laughs> I don't know which one. Um, but I think we remember why we leave. We don't always remember why we start. Yeah. And usually what gets you into a relationship, while you probably have red flags from the get-go of what ends up making you leave, yeah. are the things that are to grow you and be a mirror for your soul. Yeah. And so, like, if someone is challenging you or making you grow and it doesn't end up working out, a lot of times we just, like, pack it up and put it away as, like, mm. and take the L. Yeah. Instead of, man, what were those things that I learned that I do want? Not just what I don't want. Because mm. when we're talking about what you don't want, you end up getting it again. I got a carbon copy at one point. I was like, I swear I was saying I didn't want these things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, universe. What? <laughs> but that's how the universe works. Yes. When you're thinking about, talking about what you don't want. It's like the co consciousness of a three-year-old. It's like ice cream. Okay, ice cream. Yeah. Doesn't know what flavor. Ice yeah. cream is ice cream. So it the universe matter. has bad hearing. No, I don't want that. <laughs> right. And it's, but it's like, oh, you said it, so that means you secretly do want it. Yeah. Mm. And so I had to really reframe my language, not just my thinking, um, to not get to a place of like, oh, there's no good man, this, that, and the other, whatever. Of course, when you go through difficult times, like, yeah. I don't know a woman on the planet or anyone on the planet that when you go through a tough breakup, you're not like, Boys I are done throw racks at them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. Love, yeah. Right. Just like you're never going to have another tequila in the morning. But yeah. 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 <laughs> I think you kind of get to a place where when you allow yourself the vulnerability of feeling the feelings like we were talking about, you remember why it was good, not to go back to that person, but to remember what you recall you learned, you grew, how you loved. Because I realized that. 
a lot of my memories had nothing to do with the relationship or the guy. It was me learning how to love and be loved. Mm. Me understanding my love languages, me understanding what it looks like when I care that deeply about someone or someone cares that deeply about me, mm. as opposed to anything to do with the name or the date or the anything about them. Mm. Mm. And so I think there's something really important about, and again, this goes with jobs, careers, friends, every relationship. Yeah. But especially with romantic relationships, allowing ourselves to be like, I'm okay with recognizing these good qualities can coexist with those other ones that I didn't like very much. Mm. But maybe the reason I went into this relationship was those same good qualities that I want in my right person, in my right partner, Mm -hmm. or to bring out in them, right? Because we're never going to change someone. But I do think what you said at the beginning of, I want them to thrive and to be successful and to live their best life. Yeah. That is that support function of like you are successful and beautiful and powerful in your own right. But it doesn't mean that you can't be a support function to be a kingmaker or to help a man grow and be better for the entire family unit. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Yeah. I think it's a difference between love and in love as well. Yeah. With unconditional love. I can look back as exes as like, do I want ill for them because they hurt right. me? And they made me cry for months and months and I was almost depressed or whatever it is. Yeah. I can look back and be like, I guess the unconditional love doesn't mean I want to be with them. Right. Is I learned. I can look back on a lot of things after healing though. Yeah. And be like, I learned so much about myself and there yeah. was a lesson yeah. with all of this. And I wish them well and I hope they do well. Maybe there's one, but like, no, just <laughs> we all have one, <laughs> just one. <laughs> no, but I'd be like, it's hard I wish when you're in it. Yeah, yeah, it's but not even when, you know. I'm like, I'm so surpassed. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, but I don't want to have that in my heart yeah. as well. And I do like, there's a love and care. If something did happen to them, I think about like, damn, like the memories and the time and the good things. I was like, there's an unconditional love. Yeah, yeah, some stronger than and the gratitude. Other. Yes, and gratitude. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Lisa, this has been such a rich conversation. Like, I just feel like we we got a lot in here today. This yeah, I mean, a you deep give therapy session. It was. And I'm like, yeah. wait, are we going for coffee after this? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, we, I feel like the, we need to unpack after this, the unpacking session. Like, yeah. you just gave us so much amazing advice on finding our authenticity, social media, balance, um, you know, figuring out how not to be addicted to screens, although I don't think any of us have totally figured that out yet. Yeah. Let your phone die. Yeah. <laughs> the only way. That's probably yeah, the phone best. Yeah. outside of the room or yeah. like on the other side of the room. Yeah. That's what I'm learning now. Okay. Except if it's you have a baby tip. because I have to look at the monitor all the time. <laughs> okay, so you basically there's no way. <laughs> we'll find a way. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you for sharing you. your infinite wisdom with us and all the best with your business. I can't wait to see what's thank next you. for you. I'm excited. Thank you so much. I'm so much. proud of you girls too. Thank you for having me on, but I cannot wait to watch this just grow and blow up and anything you need. I'm really excited. I love the episodes you've already done. Thank Yay. you. Thank oh, you. we love you. I love hope you. you'll come back. Anytime. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>